Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Everybody's awake. We're at the 10 o'clock service. All is good. I gotta tell you, if you made the 8.30 service today, you were dedicated. Um, one of us was here today. Um, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to brag. Um, but it was, it, was, it was a great day. So, um, hey, we are, we're gonna get started into our message because I have a lot, a lot to cover and I'm probably not gonna get to it all. Um, because this is one of those messages, standalone message. So if this is your first time, you're not like, what, where are you at in the series? Um, this is a standalone message that is really um, just something that I, I probably won't use my notes much anyways. And some of you are like, you use notes. Um, but uh, if I was going to title my message, here would be the title. Slime, diapers, and the zone of death. Slime, diapers in the zone of death. And it's not what you're thinking, but it sounds like that. Um, and so uh, uh, yesterday, my, my youngest daughter, Chloe, um, I, I said, hey, how do you make slime? And if you don't know what slime is, um, you probably don't have an elementary kid or a mid-hire. Um, it is, it's this, this is slime and you can make it in your house and it's super easy. Here's the even better thing, parents. It's super cheap. Okay, and so I want to give you a life hack this morning. I want to give you the ingredients to making slime, right? If your kids are like, you never do anything fun with us, this takes five minutes, um, is uber, uber easy, super, super cheap, and you can be like, here, kid, don't say I never do anything with you, and I don't give you anything. Um, it's even the Sabbath, and I'm doing something. Um, so you do seven to eight ounces of Elmer glue. You do one and a half cups of shaving cream, food coloring, and it's optional, but come on, don't be a cheapskate. Like, who wants non-colored slime? That looks like snot. Um, food coloring, one tablespoon of baking soda, and two tablespoons of contact solution. You mix it all together and you get this product of awesomeness, right? It is slime. And I got to tell you, it's actually pretty fun to play with. Um, and the reason it's in a bag is so I don't play with it all sermon long. And um, as simple as it is to, to make slime, as simple as it is to make ingredients, right, or to make cookies, there's a certain level of ingredients. And making cookies, by the way, is one of the hardest things. You've got dry ingredients and wet ingredients. What is that? Um, but you, there's a certain level of ingredients. If you do A, B, C, and D, you're going to get this product. Um, and we kind of like that. It, tell me what I need to do, what I need to put 
put in so that I can get this out of it. And um, one of the core values we have here at Foundations Church is growing equals changing. It's, it's man, we're, if, if we're truly growing people, that means we're changing as people. And I would love to tell you it's like a slime recipe, right? Like that, that if you do A, B, C, and D, and E, and F, and G, if you go to this conference, if you sit underneath this preaching and underneath this pastor, and that's where a lot of us uh, mess it up, we think if I go to the right church, if I sit under this preacher, it's going to make me change. Wrong-o. That's not, that's not it at all. I will tell you there are some core ingredients that you've got to have. You better be in the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible, changes you. If you're not reading the Bible, the Bible says this about itself. The author said this, that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It also says this in a different passage, that the Bible, all Scripture is inspired, and it is useful to correct and to rebuke, right? It teaches us right from wrong. So as the morals of our culture says, well, this is right now, and this is wrong now, and this isn't right, and this isn't wrong, and they keep moving the bar. The Bible says, no, 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 no. It's not about what culture is saying right and wrong. It's, it, this is what the Bible says is right and wrong. You've got to be a student of the Scripture. You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to get connected into body believers. There are some core things, but, but here's what I would tell you. If there's no simple solution, there's no simple ingredients for you to change and for you to continue to grow. Because all of us are different in this place. Our job, my job as your pastor, isn't to create clones. Here's the good news. I am not trying to make you like me. We do not need any more Justin Graves, right? Like all of us can agree with that, amen, right? There's, my wife would tell you one is plenty and it's really overwhelming at times. Um, and my youngest one is a lot like me, so pray for her a lot. But, but growing people are changing people. And your issues and your struggles are going to be different than my issues and my struggles. And so there's no magic formula. There's no magic bullet. But, but here's what I would tell you is that there are are. are so many times, churches, and I would even say to a degree, even Foundation Church, we have people that are coming to church, and we're the same people we've been for the last two years, right? Our, our walk doesn't look any different. Our habits haven't changed, and we really haven't changed. And what is happening is that we are not being a growing person who is changing. We are not taking our next step, and nobody is immune from this moment. All of us in this place and our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have a next step. And for some of us, we're just not changing, and as a result, we're not growing because if you're growing, it's impossible to grow physically without there being change physically. And it's impossible to grow spiritually without you changing spiritually. If you had a kid or you have a kid and they get to three years old and you're busy potty training and you're like, hey, we're going to do this. You're going to pee pee in the potty. Where to go, bro? You know, you're trying to encourage them. And they just said, you know what? Nah, I'm not having it. I'm going to pee my pants the rest of my life. And people can just deal with it. This is who I am, right? Like, I'm just going to poop my pants and this is it. You know, mid-hires just deal with it. 
there's a developmental problem, right? Like, like, like all the time I hear, I hear grandmas and moms say, oh, you are going to miss the baby stage. You're going to miss changing those diapers. Men, you are not going to miss changing these diapers. And I love the excuse. Oh, I didn't know he needed to be changed. Like the whole stadium can smell that dirty diaper that she left you with for five minutes because she went to bed. What? I didn't know. But, but you've got a sensitive enough smell that you can't change the diaper. I, I'm going to throw up, babe. I'm going to throw up. I mean, they've got a line now on these things that's yellow and it turns blue. It's like a Coors Mountain beer. Like it turns, the mountains turn blue, right? I don't know this by per, per personal experience. I watch commercials. Come on. Um, but the line turns blue. I'm like, you, you, you know, you know, and you're not going to miss this. Hear me. Some of us, we've stayed in the diaper stage too long. As followers of Christ, we're not developing. We're not changing. We're just staying the same person we've been all along. And that can't be. There's got to be a change that is happening and that is occurring. In fact... Here's what happens a lot of time when people come to the Lord, they get saved and they're crazy on fire, right? They're passionate, they're reaching everybody, they're reading books, they're in, anytime the church is open, anytime they're, they're, that they're offering something, they're there. And we as mature Christians say, well, let's just wait for them to calm down and become more like us. How messed up is that? Right? That, that, I, I've, when I was a youth pastor, our kids would come back from youth camp, and all the adults would be like, just wait for them to calm down. They're on that camp high. Hopefully, they're not on that camp high, and hopefully, they never come down, because if that's our measuring bar for being a mature Christian, man, this whole following Jesus thing's in big trouble. Because that's not, I, I don't find that reference anywhere in the New Testament. The longer they follow Jesus, the more passionate they got. So let me ask this morning, how's your relationship look different today than it did a year ago? For some of you, than it looked five years ago. How, how's it different? How are you growing and how are you changing? And if you're going to grow and if you're going to change, you, why this is no secret formula that there are some fundamental principles we can put in. You have to understand this, and it's our first point. You have to confront rather than conceal. And I would change conceal to this. You have to confront it rather than coddle it. Right? You've got to confront it rather than coddle it. Oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Like, like we treat some aspects of our life like we do when we let our kids go ride a bike for the first time. And I'm not talking about a regular, I'm talking about a tricycle. We've got them in helmets and shoulder pads and knee pads and arm pads. And we're like, oh, we, 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 and we're following like this. I'm like, he, he could get hit by a linebacker from Jinx High School and he would be fine right now, right? You've got him so protected. But, but we, we coddle things. We protect things rather than confronting them, rather than really dealing with it head on. I love this passage in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. Most of us know this, and it says this, at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. 
The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and Jesus said to the, and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. We we love this passage of scripture. We love the story of Jesus. And there's so much into this passage that, that it's a standalone message on its own um, from the, the guys catching her in the act of adultery, which that's a whole another aspect that catching her in the act, like, what are you doing, pervert? Um, but, you know, th- to bring her before Jesus, and they were using this woman as a pawn to set Jesus up to accuse Jesus. They didn't care about this woman. This is just a sinner. This is just a person with no name to them that they were just trying to convict and destroy. And and the religious people this time are busy judging and pointing out her wrong. And Jesus totally like cleans her clock, like totally just speaks into the mic and drops it, just walks away. In fact, I really do think this is the first drop the mic moment because he just writes in the sand, right? Like he's just like, okay, I just about fell backwards. I need to practice yoga. Um, But just started (laughs) writing in the the dirt and like, do you have something to say? Because I don't think you do, right? And, And here's what I love about this point. And what I think most of us really relate to is as believers of Christ, as, as the church, we have got to make sure we stay a place where people can come in as they are with their issues, with their mistakes, and they're not met with glances. They're not met with whispers. They're not met with, with gossip. They're not met with people pointing at them. I can't believe they came to church. Do you know what they did? Do you know what's going on in their life? Man, as a church, we've got to shut up and love people instead of talking and judging people. We've got to let people come in the way they are and allow Jesus to change them into who they can be. That's our job as followers of Christ. And this is where a lot of us were like, yes, 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 yes. And absolutely, yes, 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 yes. But hear me, Jesus doesn't just stop there, right? He he says this to her, who has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she says, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go now and leave your life of sin. Here's what I want us to understand. It didn't stop at forgiveness, right? Jesus didn't stop at forgiveness. He said, now go and leave your life of sin. He didn't say, go and leave your life of sin if it's not hurting anyone else. He he didn't say, go and leave your life of sin only if other people can see you sinning. 
He didn't say, go and leave your life of sin if it's really bad sins. No, no, no. He recognized sin as sin. And here's what I would tell you. And what Jesus does is he does this and he calls sin what it is. And if we're going to change, if it's going to change, you've got to call it what it is. If you are going to be a changing person, and if sin is going to change in your life, you've got to call sin what it is. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. Every single one of us in this place have messed up and we have sinned, right? But we're in a culture and we're people now that we don't like calling sin what it is. Well, I don't know if I'd call it sin, I call it a mistake, right? But, but I don't know about sin. I, I wouldn't call it, I'd call it more of an addiction, right? Like I would call it more of a lifestyle, a life choice. Ooh. We're, we're allowing culture to call sin something other than what it is. And it's not about, and here it is, it's not about pointing at one sin and saying that's really bad and not pointing at the other sins. It's about just saying, man, I, I'm not pointing at your life saying, you know what, you've got sin and you need to deal with it. I'm saying, take a look inside. And if, there, if you're coddling sin instead of confronting sin, probably the reality is you're not calling sin what it really is. I, I've met guys that are like, you know what? I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm addicted to porn and it's not hurting anybody. So I, I don't know why, why, what, what, wait, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Like what? Like when did we get to the place where we started excusing our, our, our sin? Like, well, it's just a lifestyle. I was, I was just this way. And no, 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 no. Our bar is not what culture is saying. Our Bible, our, 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 our reference for what is right and wrong is what the Bible says. Well, I don't like that translation. It says something else in the message. Well, shut up. Come on. Like, stop trying to find a way around this. And we'll get to that in just a second. Man, if, if it's going, if it's, if you're going to change, if your life is going to become more like him and less like you, more like your spirit-led nature than your sin-led nature, we got to stop calling it, oh, it's my thorn in the flesh. That's Christianese for like, you know, I don't really want to excuse my sin. No, 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 no. There's a difference between Paul's thorn in the flesh and your addiction. Paul was struggling with it. He didn't resign to it. And some of you, you've just resigned to sin instead of trying to overcome sin. In fact, John said this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. We love verse nine of this, man. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have no sin, if we call it something else than what it is, man, we're only fooling ourselves. Some of us, we've got Stockholm syndrome. It's that we've fallen in love with the very thing that's holding us captive and what's holding your life captive and what's holding your relationships captive and your passages is holding your life captive. You've fallen in love with instead of trying to get free from because you think if you call the very thing that's holding your captive something different than what it is, it won't be so bad. And some of you, you've got to stop letting what was determine 
determine what is being and what should be. And you got to get free. And the only way you get free and the only way you move past is, man, that we just confront what sin is instead of coddling it and making it something that it's not. Here's what I would tell you. It's not just what we're doing. Because what you excuse, you embrace, right? What you excuse away, you embrace. But more than that, for some of us, we're like, yeah, get him, pastor, get him. But, but here's what I would tell you is that today it's not just about what you've done. For some, it's about what you haven't done. It's not just about sins of commission. It's about sins of omission. Some of us, we're not stepping into what God's asked us to do. You know what God's calling is on your life. You know it. You, and you've just been putting it off. You've just been delaying it. You've just been procrastinating it instead of stepping into it. And I would tell you this, delayed disobedience, delayed obedience is still disobedience, right? Like if I ask my kids to do something in the next 10 minutes and they do it in the next five days, we got problems in the graves home. Well, it's not what I said. I said 10 minutes, not five days. But some of us were like, yeah, I'll get around to it, God. I'll get around to it. And it's not what you're necessarily doing. It's what I'm not engaging in that I should be doing. James said it this way. James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's a sin to know what. And here's what happens for some of us that we've been doing this whole following Jesus for a while thing. We start comparing, right? Well, I'm good enough. Like, look how messed up they are. Like, and they're right on your row right now. You're like, man, they're really messed up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, right? Like, you should see the rest of my family. Like, they, are, they would never go to church. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good. I, I'm good enough. Hear me. Other people are not your measuring stick. It's not about comparing yourself to other people. It's stepping into the calling and the purpose that God has for you. And I would tell you this, if your walk with the Lord and if your life looks the same as it has the last two years, five years, last six months, you have failed to take your next step. We all I, your pastor, have a next step. And my goal is this, is that I'm not the same pastor a year from now. But I'm walking more intimately and I'm walking more securely with him. Because I would tell you this, good enough is always the enemy of intimacy and personal relationship. And our last point is this, Jesus invites us to a relationship that's about commitment, not a contract full of loopholes. He invites you to a, con a relationship of intimacy, a relationship that has commitment to it, not a contract, not a you have to do this, you have to do that, you have, that's the Old Testament, that's the Mosaic law. Well, that's what the Israelites had to do, and there was like over 700 different laws and things they had to do, and it's too much. And Jesus came, and he invites you to a relationship full of commitment not a contract full of loopholes. If you want to get away with murder, I'm about to tell you how to do it. Don't say you didn't learn something this morning, right? Like, I, I'm being for real. Like, I know we all watch, well, some of you watch uh, How to Get Away with Murder. I've never seen the episode of it, but I'm intrigued by the title. Um, but How to Get Away with Murder, Foundation Church style. Um, there is a place in this country called the Zone of Death. 
The Yellowstone Zone of Death is the name given to to roughly 50 square miles area of Yellowstone National Park in which as a result of a loophole in the Constitution of the United States, a criminal could theoretically get away with any crime, anything, including rape, murder, whatever. The court district governing Wyoming is currently the only court district in the U.S. to have jurisdiction over land in other states. Any criminal discovered to have committed a crime there would be brought to Cheyenne, Wyoming, as the crime technically happened in the Wyoming court district. According to the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution, a trial must happen within the state and district of where the crime was committed. Because of this, constitutionally, they would be required to hold the trial in the zone of death. Um, However, love that title. Um, Some of you thought this was the zone of death, just be honest. Um, Hold the trial in the zone of death. However, because the area of Yellowstone in Ohio and in Idaho, ABC, in Idaho is uninhabited, a jury can't be assembled. This is how you get away, theoretically, with murder, right? Now, me and my wife have a trip planned in July to Yellowstone <laughs> National Park. If she suggests, hey, let's go to, to Idaho and check out what that, I'm not going. Because here's the deal. Casey's not in danger of me killing her because I know I outkick my coverage. Way, way outkick. She could probably do a little bit better. Let's just be honest, right? And so we're not going. So if for some reason I don't come back, zone of death. It happened. Premeditated. Somebody get her. Um, so... See, there's a loophole that lets you get away with something that you shouldn't be able to get away with. And loopholes are all about getting around or away with something. And some of us, this is what our relationship with Christ looks like. Some of us, this is what, man, this is what it's really boiled down to, is what can I get away with and still go to heaven? Right? What, what do I have to do? What, what's the must-have-to-dos that I have to do and I still get to spend eternity with the Lord? Because nobody wants to go to hell. Let's, let's be real honest. Like, like, that's a total buzzkill, right? Like, hell is a, the ultimate buzzkill every time. Like, yeah, that kind of sucks, right? So what do I have to, what do, I have to do to, to, to still make heaven. And here's the problem with this. That's a contract looking for a way around things and a way to get away with things instead of a relationship that's full of commitment that brings intimacy. See, when I have, when when Casey and I made our vows to one another, since that day, I haven't said this. Well, I wonder how many women I could sleep with and Casey still stay married to me, right? Like, let's, let's push our luck here, Justin. Like, no, that's not it. I wonder how annoyed I can make her um, and she still stick it through. I was like, still stay with me, babe. I know I'm the most annoying human being in the planet, but, but you know, I, it wasn't about what can I get away with? Why? Because I love my wife and I committed to her. And because I love her, I commit to her. And as a result, there's intimacy, there's passion, and there's love in that relationship. 
And the reason a lot of our relationships with Christ seem empty and hollow is because we're trying to get away with things and see what we can get around instead of how close we can get to them. He invited you, he invited me to a relationship full of commitment. Because the other way of it, Man, if your relationship is about a contract of doing all these things and punching this and punching that, if I can get away with it, I got news for you. You just fell into religion, not a relationship. You fell into religion. And and so the goal is not to see how much grace we can use up, right? As followers of Christ, well, there's grace for that. There's grace for that. Grace is not a hall pass for you to get away with what you want. It is an extension to a relationship that you and I never deserved. Grace is not a hall pass. It's really good. Some of you are like, wait a second. Grace is not a hall pass for you to get away with what you want. But it's an extension to a relationship you and I didn't deserve and don't deserve. And here's what I would tell you what Romans chapter 6 says. And it's a pretty long passage of scripture, so stick with me. It says this, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Right? So we can just get away with stuff. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death for we died and we were, and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. Well then, verse 15, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? That's so good. Whatever you choose to obey leads to something. And Paul talks about it. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. And I would even say regret. You can be a slave to sin. You can choose to obey sin, which leads to death and regret, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Can I tell you when I've got to go faster? When you choose to follow Christ, there is a byproduct of righteousness and holiness that comes with it. And the church isn't talking about this very much, but you cease to become like you and you start becoming more like him. You stop, you, you stop saying yes to all your urges, right? Your urges are already going to be there. There's always going to be a sinful desire. The New Testament says this, that your sinful self is constantly at war with your spirit-led self. Right? It's, it's always going to be there, but you learn to say no to this 
and to pursue this. You learn to say no to the way you were and you pursue a relationship of intimacy and commitment. As I read the Bible, man, it's not about all these have to do's. It's let's go back to our text when we were talking about God is the good shepherd in John 10. Does, does he know you? Right? You read the scriptures when Jesus is talking, he separates the sheep from the goats. And people are like, but, but, but we cast demons out in your name. We did miracles in your name. We did this, we did that, we did this, but he never knew you. Why? Because they were doing requirements and they never chased after a relationship. And this isn't a contract thing. This isn't about what can I do? What do I have to do? This is about a pursuing thing. Do you know him? And does he know you? Because if you do, you start to become more like him and you become less like yourself. In fact, Jesus said this, Luke 9, 23, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. You must give up your own way. Here's what Jesus is saying. And, And what I love about Jesus is this, meeting Jesus was always easy. Right? Coming to a relationship with it, starting a relationship with, look at the criminal on the cross. Man, all he had to say is, remember me today, right? This guy didn't do anything to deserve it. He didn't punch any less. And Jesus said, I tell you this today, you will be with me in paradise forever. Right? There there was no requirements that the criminal on the cross had to do. Meeting Jesus is easy, and it's got to stay easy. It's got to stay accessible. Man, people have got to be able to meet Jesus, not in a complicated way, and that's where somewhere along the way churches have missed it. Man, can I tell you, even last week on a snow day, we had five people raise their hand for salvation right here at Foundation Church. That's not normal, and Jesus has to stay easy to meet, but it takes effort to follow him. Man, it takes, man, if you're going to follow me, for all you that, man, you've been doing this, if you're going to follow me, you got to give up your own way. Other versions that you grew up with said, deny yourself. Stop being like you so that you can become like me. Pick up your cross daily. Why daily? Because you're going to have to die to yourself on a daily basis because the less I become like me, the more I can become like him. And follow after me. Pursue me because you love me. Pursue me because you want me. Pursue me because you're committed to me. And so the question is today, what's your next step? Somewhere along the line, did you stop taking steps? Somewhere along the line, did the passion die away? Why, what's the next Step, how have you been changing and how have you been growing? Because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. For some of you, what you need to stop doing, you say, well, Justin, I I just don't, I'm just an angry person. No, you're not. That's just what you've settled into. And that's what you've coddled, that you just have a short fuse. You don't have a short fuse. That's just what you have told yourself for long enough that now you're starting to believe the very lies. You have Stockholm Syndrome. You're falling in love with the very thing that's holding you hostage. Well, Justin, I I just have lust problems. Absolutely. Welcome to the world as being a man, right? Like, you've got lust problems. So do I. So does every person in here. Don't coddle it. Call it what it is. Well, I'm greedy. 
ooh, I don't like this message now. Right? You're like, here he talks about money. I'm not talking about this first time. If you don't like talking about money, don't read the Bible because Jesus talks way more about money than almost anything else. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Where your bank account says you're spending all your money, that's where your heart is. I didn't say it, Jesus did. What, what do you need to stop being? And what do you need to stop doing? Some of you, it's about serving. Some of you, it's about going to connect group and get involved with other people. Some of you, it's about starting that business. Some of you, it's about going back to school. Some of you, it's about being a better parent. It's about being a better spouse. It's about being grandparents. Your kids need your help. Can I tell you, we look like we got it all together. We have no idea what we're doing right now. We're lost. Help. What's the step you need to take? Because when you boil this whole thing down, it's not about loopholes and it's not about a contract. It's about a relationship that is full of commitment that I, I love him enough to confront what's wrong with it and take my next step. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And God, what an... You're just so good to us. And Lord, I pray that today we would understand there's no, there's no secret formula to this whole thing of following you. Everybody's next step looks different in this place. Lord, but, but every one of us in this place has a next step. Lord, we're, we're called to become more like you and less like myself. John the Baptist said it this way. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. And Lord, the, the call of culture is that we've got to become bigger and greater and more self-promoting. But in the process of becoming self-promoting and us becoming greater and greater and we build our kingdoms, God, that's nowhere found in your word. God, the, your word says if you want to gain your life, you lose it. If you want to become great, you become less. And our call isn't to make the world discover us, but our call is to help the world discover you. So God, I, Lord, this, this message has convicted me so much this week. The Lord, I, I pray that this message wouldn't convict us as much as it would move us to action because Lord, conviction without action is wasted. Lord, I pray that in this place this morning, we would apply your word. God, some of us, we're using our gifts to build our own kingdom, but we've never used our gifts to build yours. Lord, and so I pray today, let us look at our life. Don't let us excuse it away. Don't let us conceal it. Don't let us coddle it. Let us confront it. Let us call it what it is. If we're greedy, man, let us call it what it is. If we're an addict, let us call it what it is. God, if we've got anger, Lord, whatever it may be, but God, let us call it what it is so that we can deal with it and that you can deal with it in our hearts because, Lord, this whole thing's about following you. 
It's about a relationship of commitment to become more like you and not look for ways around it, not look for the loopholes, but to commit fully to you, to deny ourselves, to become less of ourselves, to give up our own way, to pick up our cross daily and to follow after you to take next steps that follow your path and your leading just like the good shepherd lord you lead us into good pastures god let us follow you into the pastures you want to lead us into god i pray move let there be application of your word today so that there can be transformation of our life In Jesus' name, I pray with heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. If you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here. And I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Today, maybe it's about, man, confronting what your life really is. And you're at this place and you say, you know what? I need to recommit my life because where my relationship is, isn't where it should be. And I've been calling things what they aren't and refusing to deal with it. And I'm gonna to count to three, and if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and we're gonna lead you in a prayer that's gonna start your journey with Jesus Christ. We're not gonna embarrass you. This is not something to be embarrassed of, but this is something to be excited about. If that's you, when I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say, Justin, that's me. There's one and there's two. Is there anyone else you join these two hands? Yeah, there's three. Is there anyone else you join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further? There's four. Is there anyone else you join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further in service? You join these hands. Just say, man, that's me. That's me. And this is my next step right now before we go any further. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you right now and I confess that I have sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these four individuals that raise their hand a huge round? Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.